0: Exodus 3, 13 through 15. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. The second reading is Matthew 28:19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age.
1: Amen. Amen. All right. Morning, morning. All right. Have a question. Have a question. Uh, By a show of hands, how many have heard a sermon on the Trinity? Okay, there we go. There we go. All right, so we've been in some deep waters as of late. We talked about the fact that Jesus ascended into heaven. We talked about the sending uh, of the Spirit to the church. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, I'm excited. I'm also nervous because this is complicated. So i read like two books about the Trinity. Lord willing, I'm not a heretic today. Pray for me. Pray for me, okay? Okay. As I was thinking about this doctrine, I think that sometimes we only think and talk about God in so much as it directly benefits ourselves. In other words, when we're thinking about God or when we're listening to a teaching about God, in the back of our mind, we're like, well, what? but what it got to do with me, though? You know what I'm saying? Now, I want you to imagine you're having... Uh, a conversation maybe with a significant other, and they're they're telling you about about themselves, telling you their story, telling them just integral pieces to who they are, and you're going, but what does that have to do with me, though? Do you think that would be received well? <laughs> if you do, I got news for you, all right? So so we, we get that, that if we want to love someone, we are interested in who they are, not just so that we can get some information to benefit ourselves but we want to learn about them as an aspect of showing them love and so when we think about God who he is when we think about this doctrine one of the reasons I think about it's not talked about a lot because it's one it's hard to understand two I think we're like but what does it have to do with me though And so I want you to I want you to put that aside for a second. And we just sung about the one who is righteous, the one who loves us, the one who died for our sins. So we we already know he has done something for us. Amen? Amen. But let's 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 pause for a minute and go. But but who is he? Who is this God that we have gathered together today to worship? What is he like? Not just so I can I can have a benefit, but so I can know him. He has done such great and kind things for me. I don't want to be selfish. I want to go, God, who are you? I want to know you because I want to love you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please, please help me to explain your word. Help us to understand who you are. Lord, not not so that we could fill out a test and get 100, but Lord, so that we could know you and worship you properly. Would you give us understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. All right. So, so God, he, there is one God who eternally exists in three persons. Okay? There's one God who eternally exists in three persons. So we're going to start with this one God. When, when Christine read Exodus three thirteen, it reads, Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask.'" what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has has sent me to you. Now, listen, as you read that text, if you're just being honest, you're like, well, that's cool and everything. What? (laughs) Like, I am that I am? Like, what kind of name is that? Like, if you went out in the streets, like, what's your name? I am? Like, uh, You're being silly. But, so, but, but, but we, we need to think, what is God trying to teach us? So when, when Moses is asking his name, he's not just like, what do I call you? In that culture, to understand and know somebody's name is a description of that person's character and personality. So Moses is about to go tell uh, the, the people of Israel, hey, we're going to rebel against the, the people who have enslaved you and we're going to go free. And they're like, well, okay, who, who go help us with that? What's that person like? What's this God like that's supposed to help us overcome these odds? That's a question we have to ask. God, when we say, what is your name? When we praise his name, we're saying, what is his character? What is his personality? Who who are you at your core? And he reveals himself to be, I am who I am. Or some translations say, I will be who I will be. Now here's the deal. What this communicates to us is that, God is self-sufficient, and he exists only in himself. Let me me explain this. He doesn't need anything to exist. We don't understand that. Do you need food and water? Probably. I hope. You'll find out if you don't get some. Like you need you need stuff. Right. Like we don't have any conception of having no need. We need things to exist. Even people who are like, I did everything by myself. They're probably not accounting all the things that they didn't see that helped them get to where they are going to go. I I always think about Amazon's like, yo this this big, massive empire. And, And like you could think, man, Jeff Bezos, he just he just did it. And I'm like, well, you know, somebody paid for the roads. In order to transport and it wasn't him okay it was y'all all All right so here's the deal like 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 even when when you see somebody who is successful and they could claim i did this all by myself if you take a closer look like now there are pieces and aspects that were given to you that, that you did not do yourself not only that like god is is he doesn't need anything to exist and he relies on nothing He's, look, he's, in one of the psalms, he says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. It's hypothetical. Like, I don't need you, I don't need you to give me stuff because I just exist. Beloved, that, he is not like us, right? We have no conception of what that's like. Not only is he self-sufficient, he is unchanging and eternal. When he says I am that I am, that's, that, that present tense, he's saying I, I always was, I, I am right now, and I, I always will be. There's never a time when he doesn't exist. You can go back as far as you can conceive of and there exists God, unchanged from the God that we know today. He doesn't need anything. Like things change because they interact with stuff. Like if something rust is interacting with the environment, you know, if I eat a lot and I get big, if I don't, I get, like things change because things act on them. Like God doesn't need anything to exist, He doesn't need anything to be who he is. Therefore, he does not change. He is not like us. Not only that, he, he is omnipresent. He, he exists outside of time and space because time and space is itself a creation. He can see everything at once. God is here. God is in Africa. God is in our Antarctica. God is in Saturn. I don't know. God is everywhere. Places we don't even know. He exists and sees things fully. Beloved, he he is not like us. He is all powerful. There is no power that you could conceive of that is greater than him. Like whatever you think is the most powerful thing you can ever imagine even that thing is dependent on something else, but not so with God. He is not like us. And beloved, because he is not like us, we should not expect to understand him fully. Yeah. If he's describing who he is I'm like, I have no conception of that. <laughs> like I can kind of think about it, but I, I don't know what it's like to be everywhere at the same time. I don't know what it's like to never have a beginning. I don't know what it's like to never have a need. Beloved, this is God. And the other thing is we are completely reliant upon him to tell us about who he is. So we we can't know him fully, but we can know him truly. When he communicates himself to us, we can be like, oh, that's true. that, That is true. See, what he tells us about himself, we can trust. Now, remember, in that verse, Moses said, what is your name. He says, I am that I am. And then there are all these psalms about we praise the name, we praise the name. Like, like that's why that's what that language is. We praise the essence, the identity, the personality, the character of who God is. Then he goes on to say, Hey, this is my name. I'm this is always my name. Forever, never, 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 it'll be my name. And then the New Testament actually gives us further clarity into the name or the essence or the character or the personality of God. And in Matthew 28:19, he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are are baptized into the name of the triune God. Our entrance sustaining and remaining in the faith is due to the one God who eternally exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. I want you to understand, God is unchanging. So this this idea of Trinity wasn't something that was added to him because he's unchanging. When the new Testament reveals to us that God exists as father, son, and spirit, it's not like a new thing that happened to God because new things don't happen to him. He exists as He exists. And so when the new Testament says, Hey, Hey, this one God, this unchanging, eternal, righteous, holy God, he forever exists as father, son, and spirit. And if you pay real close attention to that verse 19, it doesn't say baptize them in the names. It's not, it's not plural. It says in the name, in the name. And when we think, now, what, think about it. You got to think back to when Moses said, What is your name? You got to think back to the I am who I am. The, the one God who has revealed himself as the I am is the same God who accomplishes our redemption in the gospel. And this one God is revealed as the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is one who exists eternally in three distinct persons. I know you might have heard the language, one God, three persons. When you say person, what what, what does that mean? What's a person? (laughs) One definition is it's, it's an individual someone characterized by and worthy of love. So a lot of times we have this conception of like God was lonely or something. And he was like, man, I just wish I had some people because I'm just lonely. I love it. He's self-sufficient. And, and, and he has communion within himself. He actually does, he needs nothing. The Trinity is, is actually an explanation or, 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 or a further clarification that he actually does not need anything. Because before all things were created, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed in perfect love and unity. And the scriptures teach that each person of the Trinity has the same attributes because there's only one God. So I, I, had, to, I had to enlist some help from some creeds because I didn't want to be a heretic, okay? This is from the Athanasian Creed. You know, Athanasius is my boy. He says, what quality the Father has, the Son has, and the, whole, the Holy Spirit has. So however you describe the character of God, it applies to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For, for instance, and for instance, we say God is eternal, so is the Father eternal? Is the Son eternal? Is the Holy Spirit eternal? Okay, you see, every attribute that we could apply to God applies equally to every person in the Trinity. The creed goes on to say, similarly, similarly there, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit is almighty. Yet there are not three almighty beings, there is but one almighty being. And so when we think about the Trinity, I, I, I was reading this book and he's like, he's, they're like, what, what distinguishes them? What is the difference? Is it, is it, a, is it the character, is different? No, no, no. Is there, is one more eternal? No, no. The, 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 there is this perfection. But what does distinguish them is only their relationship to one another, Okay. So everyone, every member of the Trinity has the exact same character, nature, will, essence, whatever. <laughs> goes on and on and on. But when we think about the, the interrelations of the persons in the Trinity, the Father eternally begets the Son. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Father and the Son eternally breathe forth the Spirit. Now I'm, I'm going to explain that, okay? So we start with the Father. The Father eternally begets the Son, and the Father eternally breathes out the Spirit. Now, beginning, like, why are you using this beginning? Beginning is a way of saying that the son comes from the father, yet he's not created. They're trying to struggle with the word. He comes from, and you're like, wow, what does that mean? What? Okay, I want you to think about the sun. right? When you see the sun, there's the light from the sun. There's the warmth of the son. Now, let's just say, let's just say, if the sun was eternal, would the light be eternal? Well, yeah, but does the light come from the son? Yeah, well, it comes from, but, but if the thing itself is eternal, that which comes from it is eternal as well. It, he says it in another way, in Hebrews 1.3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And get this, the exact expression of his nature. Like, what is the father like? Look at the sun. That's what he's saying, that's what he's saying. So, 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 so this, and then he says, that the, the spirit eternally proceeds or is breathed out from the Father. Uh, Matthew 10, 20, it says, because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your Father is speaking through you. Now, y'all understand, like, like when, when you know somebody, like, they, they act like they daddy. <laughs> Has the, the, you know what I'm saying? They got the, the spirit of that person. It just kind of, it, it seems that way. But if, if the person was eternal, then the spirit of that person is eternal as well. To worship the Father is to worship God. Now, the the scriptures teach that the Son comes from the Father, but again, He's not created. John 1.1, it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Y'all caught that? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the word or the son comes from God. There's never a time when God is without his word. There's never a time when the father is without his son. Yet at the same time, the word is God. Therefore, to honor the son is to honor God. And then we got this teaching that the Holy Spirit eternally comes from the father and the son. But again, he's not created. He doesn't have a beginning. John 15, 26 it says, when the counselor, that's another name for the Holy Spirit, when the counselor comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. See, this, this eternal procession, this eternal coming forth. So much can be, so like, when, when the Holy Spirit's here, we're not, like, something like God is here. We're like, like, who here? God. When the Holy Spirit comes, God comes. Not God Jr., not God-like. god <laughs> like you, you feel me? You see what I'm saying? Okay. I know we, I know we in some deep waters, y'all. I know we in a deep water. It's fine. It's fine. That's why we have to rely on revelation. We, can't, we couldn't come up. I, bro, if I try to come up with this. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to highlight again. So we have three persons, one God. And I really want to focus on the Son and the Spirit because if we're not careful, we start thinking about them as like junior gods are not actually God. So for instance, the Son of God is full of God, like John 1.1, 1, 1, right? He was with God and he was God. From, this is from one of the oldest creeds, it's called the Nicene Creed, and it's describing the Son. The Son was begotten from the Father before all ages. But before anything, the Son is begotten from the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Like they're trying to make a point, right? Yeah. True God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. For the Holy Spirit, listen. Second Corinthians three seventeen it says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, <laughs> and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." That same creed it says, "And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Giver of Life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified." So, some of y'all, can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> is he God? Yeah. And then we have this teaching that the Son of God became human to redeem us. The Son of God who was with God and who is God became human to redeem us. John 1.14, it says, The Word, the same Word that was with God and was God, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How about the testimony of Philippians 2? It says, Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a sermon, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. So a lot of times when we think about Jesus, I feel like we subtly like think about Hercules. Now, that was a movie when I was a kid. And like, so Hercules, like his dad was Zeus, and his mom, I don't know his mom's name, but y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. You know, like, and so, like, Hercules, like he wasn't like as strong as the gods, but he was stronger than humans. He was like, he was half. He was half God, and he was half man. I want you to understand that the teaching of the scriptures is not that. Jesus is not half God. Jesus is not a little bit God. Jesus isn't God light. So much so that when one of his disciples, Philip, says, hey, Jesus, you've been telling us a lot of stuff, but could you, if, can you just show us the Father? Like, can you just show us what he looked like, Jesus? And Jesus said, have you not been with me so long to know that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? I want you to understand this makes what Jesus has done so much more significant that the one who created all things, the one who is eternal, the one who needs nothing, the one is self-sufficient, that one took on finite flesh. The one who had no needs became needy. The, The one who does not change allowed himself to suffer change in the flesh. I want you to understand, it's not when, when Jesus is walking on this earth, your mind needs to go, oh my goodness, the one who created all things is here. That, I want you to see when it says, and when Philippians 2, when it says that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, it means he had these attributes as God, and he says, I'm going to lay them aside for a minute. I'm gonna I'm lay aside my 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 this 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 unchanging, unneeding, and I'm going to become needy. The one who lives forever, get this, died. The one who lives forever, died. And again, the son is fully God. So you, who died? God. <laughs> Listen, this this is the t- this is the mind blowing nature of the gospel, and we don't get it unless we understand something about God's triune nature. Not only that, beloved, the, the third person of the Trinity lives in us. See, Jesus promised to send us the Spirit, right? He says when the counselor comes, he's going to guide you. Is the Holy Spirit God, Junior? No. Is the Holy Spirit a little bit God? No, he's not kind of God. No, he's fully God. And get this, the one who is fully God lives in you and me. So when you, when you, listen, y'all, when you, when you think about how do, I, how do I be holy? How do I fight sin? How do I fight temptation? How, how, do I, how do I continue to persevere? Beloved, how much encouragement would you have if you thought for a minute, wait, wait a minute, who, who is it that dwells in me? Who, who is it that can give me power? Who is it that can subdue my flesh? Beloved, if it's up to me, we got some problems. But if the eternal unchanging. All-powerful one lives in me. Beloved, I can have some hope. When the Spirit dwells in us, all of God dwells in us. Even Jesus says this in John 14, 23. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will live, excuse me, my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So when you have the Holy Spirit, you, like, it's, it's this mystery that I cannot fully explain. When we under, when we think about it, and I don't know if you ever talk to somebody who's like really smart about something. Like sometimes when I talk to people who run sound, I don't know about no sound, okay? And they be telling me about stuff, and they, i will be like, huh, you know? Like, and but I, at the very least, I'm like, well, they smart, <laughs> and I'm kind of in awe how much more they know than me. Like they have my respect because of how much they know that I don't know. When we ponder. The being of who God is. And our mind's like, ah, uh, <laughs> what? What, it, what it's supposed to do is cause us to be in reverence and in awe. He is so much greater than me. Oh, he is worthy of my worship. I don't, he is so infinitely higher than me that I cannot fully understand who he is. Beloved, we, we see in the scripture, the triune God who created us is the triune God who redeems us. The Father created the heavens and the earth by the Spirit through the Son. So if you go to Genesis 1, it says the earth was out form, without form and void, and the Spirit of God was over the waters, and the God spoke, and creation came. Right there, you see that the persons of the Trinity are creating everything that you know of. Uh, Psalm 33:6 says the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by his spirit. Th- 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 that same God who created is also the same God who redeems. See, God the Father saves us by sending God the Son to die for us and giving God the Holy Spirit to live in us. One of my favorite chapters is, is Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, it talks about this great plan of salvation. And actually, it starts with the Father. The Father loved us, predestined us, chose us. The Son came, and he spilled his blood and redeemed us. And then the Spirit is given as the seal and the proof of what the Son has accomplished. Beloved, this is our God who, who saves us and loves us. Now, I know that was confusing. I know it's like, but let me, let me give you a bit of encouragement. Let me give you a bit of encouragement. Even if you cannot articulate everything about the Trinity, if you are a Christian, you have communion with each person of the Trinity. So if you are in Christ, you know something of the love and care of the Heavenly Father. Yeah. You know something of his provision that he provides for you, that he disciplines you, that he teaches you. And beloved, if, if you are in Christ, you, you know something of the love of the son. You, you know something of the that, that he died for your sin, that, that he lives to make intercession for you. And if you are in Christ, beloved, you felt the comfort of the spirit. He has revealed to you the love of God. Beloved, even if, here's a here's great thing. We don't have to fully understand it in order to experience it. I try you, and God says, I love you, and I'm bringing you close to me. Here's, here's one application I really want y'all to get. Sometimes when we preach the gospel, this, this, is, this is how it comes off it's like this You were really bad, and the father was, was ticked off at you. And then the son was like, I got him. I love him. And the, God, the father's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, that's, that's, now y'all know what I'm talking about. That's, how we, like, so that's, a, that's a really bad explanation. And if we had a proper doctrine of the Trinity, we would understand that's not true. Each attribute is shared, yeah? yeah. So if Jesus loves you, who love you? Yeah. God, yeah. yeah. So so when we think about our sin, when we think about God the father, a lot of times we just view him as just he's just angry. He's just mad because you be sinning all the time. And Jesus is like, nah, but I got him. Don't do it, Dad. <laughs> that's, that, beloved, that's not what, what's going on. That is, not, that is not the gospel truth. See, the Father and the Son have the same nature and the same will. So it's true that the Father doesn't like sin, but does Jesus? No, I don't like it either. But what also is also true is that the Father loves you. And the Son loves you too. There's not a division in the Trinity, and God's not like one-third mad at you. John 3.16. For who loved who loved the world? God. That He sent. The Father loved you and sent the Son. There's this quote that I read that really summed up how I feel about this doctrine. It's from this guy named Gregory of Nancy Anzis. Look him up, he's interesting. Listen to this, it says. No sooner do I conceive of the one than I am illuminated by the splendor of the three. No sooner do I distinguish them than I am carried back to the one. When I think of any one of the three, I think of him as the whole. And my eyes are filled and the greater part of what I am thinking escapes me. I cannot grasp the greatness of that one so as to attribute a greater greatness to the rest. When I contemplate the three together, I see but one torch and and cannot divide or measure out the undivided light. What's encouraging to me is a guy who wrote a bunch about the Trinity said, I think about the one and I think about the three and I think about the one and I'm just like, ah, it's beautiful, it's good, and I'm glad God loves me. Beloved, this this is our God. He, He forever exists. In this community of Father, Son, and Spirit, and this God who needs nothing, created you and redeemed you so that you can have fellowship with him. And that's why we say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I pray that you, your word tells us something about you. Father, I thank you for your your love and your your sovereign care. Lord, you you cared so much about us that when you saw us in our sin, you decided to act. In Christ Jesus, you cared so much about us that when you saw us in our sin, you decided to take on flesh and die for us. And Holy Spirit, you loved us so much. That when you saw us in our ignorance, you helped us to understand the beauty of the gospel. Lord, we will spend eternity singing your praises. Help us to be faithful to sing your praises today. In Jesus' name, amen.